1: programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview.
0: Good evening. This is Dr. Russell Hyken welcoming you to my first Blog Talk radio show, courtesy of the Coffee Clatch. Um, This is Dr. Russell Hyken, and our show focuses on teenagers, young adults, and the issues that they face. My first guest for our show is Dr. Rekha Ramanuja. She is a board-certified psychiatrist who specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry at Clayton Behavioral Health in St. Louis. She is a graduate of the St. Louis University Medical School and did her residencies at Barnes-Jewish Hospital and St. Louis Children's Hospital, obviously both in St. Louis. In addition to her private practice, she works at Bridges to Success, an intensive outpatient program for adolescents suffering from addiction, and she also enjoys working at the Child's Residential Care Facility in Webster Grove, known as Epworth Children and Family Centers. Dr. Ramanujo, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, we are really excited to have you here this afternoon.
1: Thank and you. We're,
0: we're going to be talking about depression, bipolar, and ADHD. A discussion about how symptoms can overlap, confusion with diagnosing these different issues, personality characteristics of each, and how to determine the proper diagnosis. But before we get into all that, I'd like to once again welcome dr. Dr. Ramanuja and just have her tell us a little bit more about herself and her practice.
1: So, yeah, thanks again, Rusty. Um, so, yeah, my practice is in Clayton, and um, so I enjoy, you know, my private practice as well as working at Bridges to Success and Upward Children and Family Services, as you mentioned before. I like to kind of keep my patient population as diverse as possible to keep my skills honed. <laughs> Well,
0: there you go. So then, you're a great person to talk about how these issues—depression, bipolar, and ADHD—don't affect affect not only teens but also kids and young adults, and and sort of how they all overlap each other. Um, and so maybe that's a great place to jump in. Kind of talk to me a little bit about, you know, how the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health, identifies each of these issues. And let's maybe start with depression.
1: Sure. So with, uh, you know, depression, and, you know, a lot of people can look this up online, which is a blessing and a curse. I mean, because if you look up diagnostic criteria online, you could pretty much apply each one of those to yourself or a family member. But in terms of a major depressive episode, this is when someone is in a persistently negative mood along with Having difficulties with sleep, um, poor motivation, poor level of interest in previously enjoyed activities, um, just lots of hopelessness, feelings of guilt where they don't necessarily need to feel guilty. you know, poor energy level during the day, um, you know, changes in your level of focus, your concentration, changes in your appetite. So you'll classically see people who lose a lot of weight or gain a bunch of weight. Um, there's another criteria that's um, called psychomotor slowing. This is when, when someone is depressed, they are going to appear, you know, down. Um, for lack of a better term. They're very down. They might have a stooped posture. Their voice might be lower. Um, they might not make good eye contact. They're just classically much lower than what they usually are. And, of course, another um, diagnostic criteria is suicidal ideation. So, you know, those are your diagnostic criteria. You have to have five out of the nine or so they say, um, but, you know, there are plenty of people who have some of them, and it's still, you know, very life-impairing.
0: Well, you know, and, and, you, and you hit on a couple of things that caught my attention. And one is is that sort of persistent negative mood. So when I, when I hear you describe it like that, it, it sounds like you're saying, you know what, everybody goes through non-persistent negative moods. Like maybe I'm just having a bad day. Sure. That's not depression.
1: No, no, I wouldn't say that that's depression. I mean, it's it's problematic if you're having thoughts about killing yourself even for <laughs> yeah. one day. Yeah. Definitely problematic. But, you know, I'm talking about moods like this that last for a week, two weeks, and are significantly life-impairing in terms of the, your job, school. Um, you know, it's just something – it has to be persistent, and nothing's making it better. People are trying to cheer you up. It's not working.
0: So – so you're saying it's okay to have a bad day, but when you have a bad week or a bad month, that's when we know it's really a problem as long as you're not. Sure yeah,
1: yeah, a bad, a bad two weeks, and I start to get a little worried, definitely.
0: So, so, so it's when it persists over a longer period of time. And, and it could be and when we say longer period of time, we don't mean a super long. It just could be as short as a couple of weeks. Um, and then the other thing that kind of caught my attention in your description is that there are physical signs. So is it possible to look at somebody and see the depression?
1: yeah many times it definitely is sometimes it isn't sometimes people that are clinically depressed you would never guess it just from looking at them. That doesn't mean that they're not depressed um but there are definitely people who are clinically depressed, and you will be able to tell the stooped posture you know lack of you know they might not even feel like talking so little or low volume speech um that sort of thing.
0: And, and and is it possible or is it is it easier to spot depressions in kid versus adults? I mean, is it is it easier to see or everybody just presents so differently? There's, you just really have to start talking.
1: Well, yeah, everybody definitely presents differently. I, I would say that, you know, because of where our psychiatric research is right now, it's definitely easier to identify in adults because there's been a lot more um, – research on adults. With children, it gets kind of dicey because, you know, with the research we've done, no one wants to sign up their kids for, you know, randomized controlled trials. But from what we do know, and we do know a lot, um, you know, kids can definitely present as, you know, having major depressive disorders. There are many different ways that kids and adults could present. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to identify in children because, you know, some kids are just having a bad day.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I was talking about before. And it's okay to have that bad day. It's just a persistent bad day. Correct. Mm -hmm. So so talk to me a little bit about bipolar. So I I get a really nice sense of the depression description. But how does bipolar differ from that?
1: So bipolar disorder is when you have these manic episodes along with a period of the depressive episodes, like with the criteria that I explained above. Um, You know, you can have a couple of weeks of that, but then you can have a week where You feel the opposite of depressed. You are just elated, so happy you can't even calm yourself down. Um, Now, that's not always the case in bipolar disorder. Sometimes people with bipolar disorder will present with this severe irritability, just this you know the mood fluctuations are just completely out of context for what's going on around them now along with that um you will see uh people who are very distractible very you know very interested with pretty much anything around them um, or they can have a very increased self-esteem, grandiose thoughts, Um, you know, I'm famous, I um, might have some magic powers and it might not be to that extreme, it might just be, well, you know what, I am the best athlete in this state. You sure, know?
0: sure. So it's sort so, of, sort of it, it goes along a continuum, but when the behavior right, starts. Right, it goes
1: along a continuum. And, again, it has to cause significant problems. So people with bipolar disorder will, um, you know, classically, like I said, because of their grandiosity, they might do too much talking and get themselves in, in some trouble with the police or at school. Um, you know, a lot of times they have racing thoughts. Their thoughts are going so fast that they cannot, they don't even know, you know, they can't identify what they're thinking anymore, and then this is a lot of times reflected in their speech too. So during a manic episode, it's not uncommon for um, someone to be talking uh, a lot, really fast, really loud, excessively. And um, you know, definitely the there's there's people who are more hypersexual during manic phases, or will spend a lot more money during these phases, or just you know, period, make really bad decisions, not need to sleep.
0: Sure. And some of what you're describing um, sounds somewhat, you know, sort of like adult behaviors, the spending money or the hypersexuality. Does that happen in teens and and adolescents and young adults as well?
1: Yes, it definitely can. It doesn't always happen in bipolar teens or kids. But, um, you know, certainly when those things do happen, the spending money, the hypersexuality, you have to look at it within the context. For example, if a kid is acting, you know, is is more sexually acting out, you have to think about, you know, well, does this person have a family history of bipolar disorder? Has this kid been sexually abused? Um, has this kid, you know, been watching too many movies and we just, you know, saw him act out some urges, wrong time, wrong place? You know, so all of those things need to be taken into consideration.
0: So, you know, it's interesting. The other day I had one of my uh, therapy clients who came into my office and said that spring is here and my bipolar is out of control. I'm giddy and manic. Is there any sort of seasonal aspect to bipolar? Have you heard that have you heard patients say that before? Is there any sort of uh, research or proof behind that?
1: Well, yes, there is definitely um, you know, a seasonal aspect established with depression. There's no doubt about that. Um I'm not as familiar with um, you know, a seasonal component to bipolar disorder. I, I mean it, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody who had bipolar disorder gets really, really down during periods of winter and very happy during spring. You know, love is in the air and, you know, all those things. And we
0: hear a lot of seasonal affect with depression, but that one caught me off guard. And I'm like, you know, it actually kind of made logical sense to me. We're all a little happier now that, you know, the weather is nicer. So
1: Exactly, and that's where we kind of, the line is blurred between what's clinically significant and what's concerning versus what's just, you know, part of the normal human experience.
0: Interesting. And so, you know, and and as we were talking today, and some people might be listening going, well, where does ADHD, you know, fall into the same categories as these mood issues that we're talking about, depression and bipolar? So tell me a little bit about ADHD, and maybe uh, we can talk sort of about how it is sort of part of this whole spectrum of issues.
1: Sure. Well, with ADHD, you know, I think... Everybody can identify, you know, a kid that they went to school with or you know, someone that they know that they think to themselves, wow, yes, that person definitely has ADHD. So classically, when we think of ADHD, we think of the hyper kid that's kind of running around all over the place. And that's not always how it can present. Um, there is Usually a large component of hyperactivity and impulsivity, but there can also be a large component of inattention or inability to sustain attention. And when that's present, a lot of times it's not so easy to detect in school-age children, especially children who are very smart. They might be sitting there and acting like they're listening, but really it's kind of going in one ear and out the other. Um, So in terms of the inattentive aspects, you know, we're talking about kids that Don't really give close attention to details, making careless mistakes despite um, knowing the material. Um, You know, like I said before, difficulty with holding their attention in tasks or play activity, um, spacing out, doesn't really seem to be listening even when you're speaking directly to them. Um, You know, following through on instructions or tasks doesn't really happen so sometimes you have people um and kids that have a lot of undone jobs left and not because they don't want to but just that's how the way it is
0: Um, keep it all together and and remember what you're supposed to do so you know so sometimes you know um i will see kids in my practice and the parents will say i think they're inattentive and i think they have adhd but really when i start talking with them they're inattentive because they're depressed is that something that you find as a psychiatrist that it's hard to sort out the ADHD from the depression and and the bipolar as well.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, kids with ADHD, established diagnosis of ADHD, are definitely at risk for depression because another part of ADHD that a lot of people don't talk about is that emotional impulsivity. So kids with ADHD can often be quick to get angry or quick to get anxious or quick to doubt themselves. And, Once someone starts meeting the clinical criteria for depression, yes, you do see a change in your ability to focus. So, um, you know, if if a teenager comes in with, you know, issues with focusing, um, screening for depression is something that's very, very important to rule out as opposed to just putting them on a medication for ADHD. Because you do see changes in uh, your focus with, with depressive symptoms.
0: And so those kids can be inattentive as a result. I'm guessing that you don't see too many depressed people that are hyperactive. Um, If you're sort of kind of getting confused in there, you know, does that morph into bipolar? You know, I've often had the conversation with a lot of professionals that it can be really difficult to tell these things apart, and ADHD and bipolar sometimes can be really complicated to sort out. Do you find that true?
1: Yes, I, I find that true as well. Um, you know, when when you ask the question, can somebody hyperactive be depressed? Yes, they definitely can be, and um, they can be in a um, state that could be labeled as what we call psychomotor agitation. So they're pacing, they're angry, they're negative, they can't stop yelling, they can't stop talking because they're depressed. And and that's another misnomer about depression is that often it can present with um, negative just negativity and irritability, especially with young males. They're not going to be crying all the time or moping around. They might be just right. very, very irritable.
0: Right. So it's really complicated to tell all these issues apart is from what I'm gathering from our conversation here. Right. Um, and are there typical situations where these things do morph into one another? Are there certain signs that, why, well, you know what, I thought my child was ADHD, but now I'm thinking they're bipolar or maybe uh, same thing. Maybe a doctor, a family doctor, a school teacher, a school counselor says your child's depressed, but you're thinking that it's something else. Are there sort of situations where this occurs that 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 is more pronounced?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, that can happen. Where at first you know we think that you know we're just treating this child or this adult for you know non-complicated depression. But then, you know, as we go along in treatment, you know, there are other things that come along and we think, you know, maybe we're dealing with something else. Um, There are certainly times when I am treating someone for depression, and one of the underlying issues is definitely ADHD. And with ADHD, it's very, very difficult for depressed patients to manage their anxiety um, and manage their depressive thoughts and, and challenge those depressive thoughts.
0: Yeah, you know, and I see a lot of ADHD students in my practice, and when I when I start to feel the depression coming in is that they're really struggling in part of their life because of their ADHD, and it sort of leads them to be depressed. It's almost a situational depression, and if we can... Get our hands around the ADHD symptomology and give them strategies to improve that. The depression lifts, so is sometimes the depression reactionary to something that 's going on in their life, or is it typically more biological and neurological in nature is it in the brain or is it in the, is it in the uh, the surrounding area?
1: Well, so the answer to that question is that it's both um, of course you know the 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 current theory on depression and anxiety is that it is most likely. Um, related to our levels of serotonin in our central nervous system. So, you know, that being said, can people get clinically depressed despite nothing going on in their life that's negative? And yes, definitely the answer is yes. And then it's it's pretty clear that, you know, this person's probably suffering from some depression or at least um, disorder disorder of adjustment. Um, But then there are also people that can start to get those clinical criteria for depression met under, this, under a situation where they're going through a pressing time, a death in the family, a divorce, and, you know, for two weeks they're not able to sleep. They don't feel like doing the fun activities they used to. Um, they can't focus as well. They're losing weight because they don't feel like eating. They're having thoughts of suicide. And, you know, definitely situations can, um, for lack of a better term, situations can interact with our own biological processes such that they drive us into those states.
0: So when we have depression that's sort of driven by, you know, a life event, a divorce, a death, um, or what have you, is medication a sound alternative at that point, or does it just eventually take care of itself and eventually you just get over it, maybe you talk to a friend or you go see a therapist? Uh, wow.
1: Well, I think with that, you know, that's an excellent question. I think everybody is different. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that will just say, you know what, I know I'm just going through a hard time. Let me write it out. Things things will get better. And, you know, they might, you know, clinically they might meet criteria for depression um, for, you know, three or four weeks at a time, and then their circumstances get better, and then slowly they start to not meet that criteria. Then they're sleeping better. They're um, not as overwhelmed. Um I always tell people that if they're ever having suicidal thoughts, you know, for a prolonged period of time, then that's definitely, without a doubt, the time to seek professional help. Right. No matter, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how long it's going on.
0: And, and I've noticed that some people sort of ebb and flow through depression. Maybe they'll go through a depressive period, then they'll be fine for a few weeks, and they'll be depressed again. So is that more depression, or is that maybe some bipolar stuff going on in the going on?
1: Say, say that question. Say that So again, Sometimes
0: I, I, see, I, I see clients who will be depressed for a while, and then they'll be fine, and then they'll be depressed. So is depression, does it cycle through individuals, or could that be a sign of something like bipolar?
1: Well, from what you're describing, if there's no periods of mania, um, then it's probably you know cycling through periods of depression until proven otherwise. Um, you, ne- you need to have a specific manic episode in order to actually um, – Constantly diagnose somebody as bipolar. Sure. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And, and to
0: say, so, so those manic episodes, can somebody who's bipolar just have manic episodes and not the depressive piece?
1: Yeah, that's also possible, <laughs> and that's where this whole thing gets kind of uh, tricky to dice out, based on well, how people present.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I think that maybe leads to sort of my my next area of interest or question is, how do you, as a psychiatrist, sort of sort through all this and diagnose and, you know, and prescribe appropriate medication for somebody? You know, how do you figure out if they're, you know, bipolar, if they're depressed, if they're ADHD? Um, what are some of the things that you go through?
1: Sure. Yeah, and this is, I think, um, a lot of times. Some, in some cases, it's pretty cut and dry, you know, this person's going through this, so we'll prescribe this. In a lot of cases, especially in children, um, it's a little bit um, harder to sort through, and that is a dilemma that we're faced with as far as do we treat as if it's, you know, bipolar, or do we treat it as if it's just severe ADHD symptoms, because the symptoms can often overlap. Um you know i try to you know get an idea of the the patient's history their family psychiatric history um recent events in life uh school performance work performance and um i try to see what the most pressing issue is at this time so if somebody gets depressed sometimes um but is having more so trouble in school with concentration and focusing um And, you know, then I might lean towards, you know, an ADHD diagnosis, provided that there have been no symptoms that are clear-cut for mania. But if this person has been having distractibility for some time, periods of depression, and now they're starting to display that hypersexual behavior that's kind of out of character for themselves or spending thousands of dollars on things that they don't need, then I start to switch to think, okay, maybe we're dealing with a little bit of bipolar here. But it can always be tricky. You can, you know, that's why if you, you know, there's a saying in psychiatry, if you go to five different psychiatrists, you get five different answers. And, and you know, that's, that's pretty much true. So I try to aim the medication at what what the biggest problem is that's going on right now.
0: You know, and that actually makes sense. And it's interesting. Sometimes I'll get, you know, parents that bring their teens to my office and they'll say, you know what, my kid stole my credit card and charged up, you know, hundreds of dollars on iTunes. And they look at me questioningly, like, I, did I really do that? And, and then I start to think, well, well, maybe that's more ADHD than that sort of manic buying phase. But it really is hard to sort out. And I know with ADHD in particular, we can administer a variety of assessments that can kind of help us sort that out. So as a psychiatrist, do you find that testing valuable, and do you like to look at those results, and, and do you sometimes refer out for that?
1: Oh, very much. I I find that very valuable, especially when there is a question of whether or not we're dealing with, um, you know, just oppositionality or actually, you know, actual ADHD symptoms. It can be very helpful to actually get some educational testing and break it down as far as, you know, what their academic abilities in specific areas look like
0: yeah no that's really interesting. the other thing that you said that one of the things that you like to ask about when you are talking with these families is sort of the genetic history so from that comment, I infer that there's a there's a there can be a big genetic component to mood disorders. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: yes i mean there's so there's definitely a genetic component to mood disorders, those being depression and bipolar disorder. there's also a genetic component to a d h d um it's it's not there 100% of the time but it's definitely uh correlated
0: so if we shake up the family tree and we kind of look through the past and we see some things in there that's always an indication maybe we need to be looking more carefully Um, You know, and I almost equate it to a lot of times that, you know, mental health issues are no different than maybe a a physical issue like asthma. If somebody in the family has asthma, there's a good chance that one of the kids or one of the offspring at some point will have asthma as well. And that that seems to be the case with mood issues as well, and that's what we're finding out with our latest research. Is that correct?
1: So, yeah, somewhat. I mean, you know, pretty much. It's it's kind of hard to compare to you know asthma or allergies because it's a, you know the heritability is not necessarily one to one with either of those. So it's I mean, but yes, it's very much in the same way. If you recall that you had uh, difficulties in school when you were younger, it you know, and your your child is having difficulties, it is worth um, exploring what your difficulties were and. You know, trying to maybe get to the bottom of that. Right, to help so, the child.
0: So, okay, families have have come to see you, um, and they're we we've determined there's a mood issue and there or there's something going on or maybe there's an attention issue. You prescribe some medications, but, but typically the treatment doesn't stop at medications um at medication does it. There are other things that families can be doing. Um, any thoughts or suggestions on where families can look for assistance with their mood issues and ADHD?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, uh, therapy, absolutely. I mean, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is helpful for anybody who's suffering from mood disorders or from ADHD. Um, You know, a lot of people will think that, okay, as soon as I get on medicine, everything will be okay. And often that isn't the case because you still have all of your external issues that are going on that you still kind of have to navigate around and make sense of. So having a therapist and learning about of learning different ways to handle certain situations is what's going to be most helpful.
0: And are there some sort of maybe natural uh mood enhancers that somebody can do that will also help improve mood? Yeah, maybe along the lines of exercise or something in that area?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Exercise has been proven to help lift mood, um, you know, regulate mood in in patients with mood disorders. It's been proven to reduce distractibility and hyperactivity in kids. (coughs) Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, so exercise definitely is one of them.
0: Yeah, you know, and I always tell um, the, the, the families that I work with, you know what, Get up in the morning and get out into the sun. Get outside. Do something that kind of makes you feel good. And there's actually some research behind saying the brain does respond positively to those things, exercise and sunlight. Um, What about diet? Can diet make a big difference in mood issues and ADHD?
1: Um, Yes. Uh, There is actually some emerging research that, you know, if you want concrete examples, there is some emerging research that omega-3s and the omission of artificial colors may be of some benefit when it comes to mood disorders and ADHD but um as far as diet in general I think that you know we can all safely say you know you're going to be a lot happier if you consume fruits and vegetables and groups from the things from the pyramid as opposed to just tea and toast right um, yep. <laughs> so sort of because a- it does have a lot to do with our with our you know vitamin vitamins and minerals such as you know B12 and folate but then it also has to do with um the quality of foods that we're consuming i think that there's a lot of things in food that we don't really realize is there and you know too much of it is affecting our mood in ways that um we don't realize but that's that's just kind of more of an opinion <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds like we've just sort of scratched the surface on on some really um interesting and complicated issues in terms of you know what exactly are mood disorders and how does ADHD relate to them and it seems like there's a lot of different ways to treat but sort of as i kind of close things out what I, what i'm what i'm taking away from this is parents and uh family members if you think somebody in your immediate circle suffers from one of these issues, to seek out some professional help pretty quickly and at least check in and make sure that there's nothing bigger going on. Um, And we have been talking with Dr. Rekha Ramanuja, and if you are interested in learning more about Dr. Ramanuja, she can be found at Clayton Behavioral Health, and that's ClaytonBehavioral.com. Is that your website, Correct.
1: I believe so. I'd have to look at it. <laughs>
0: if you'd like more information about me, Dr. Russell Hiking, you can find information online about me at teenparentingexpert.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Dr. Hyken is my Twitter handle. And we have been talking as part of the Coffee Clatch Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ramenuja, thank you so much for some excellent information. Um, I found it very helpful and informative.
1: Good, um, uh, glad to help. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, we appreciate it. Have a great day and look forward to catching up with you in the future. Once again, All right. Dr. Russell Hyken on Coffee Clatch Talk Radio. Thanks, Thanks
1: a lot. Dr Hiken. All right.